you know, a broker for flowers. Uh-huh. And she works over the phone and the internet. And she can conduct her business from anywhere as long as she has those two things available to her. Sure. Oh, boy, and that's... she made a connection with an old family friend. Uh, uh, I guess they were 12, 13 years old. They knew each other. Uh-huh. And she found him on Facebook. And they've been corresponding for her own the better part of a year. And a couple of weeks ago, she went over there and uh, decided that she's going to make the move. So, so the, she came back for a few days to straighten out her affairs and left on the 15th. Wow. Yeah. That is a, an enormous move. I mean, that's... Yeah, it's a huge, but, you know, it's it's so good for her because she she's a beach bunny. Oh, hooray. And she's just, uh, her, uh, her friend uh, works at a five-star hotel as a uh, scuba instructor, and he's also a semi-professional uh, photographer, and uh, she says she conducts her business in the morning and goes over to the hotel where he works and lays by the pool the rest of the day. She's happy. This is a very good match for her. Oh, it's perfect. I, you know, and uh, we've known his family. My wife, Tony, used to work with his mom. That's how how they know each other through uh, the family. Oh my! So I, I hope it works out. I hope so too. It really sounds like a wonderful opportunity. Oh yeah, I I know she's just. She's enthralled with the idea, and she has, we have her dog here, and uh, she wants to take her dog over there to, to like a 120-day quarantine. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about it's that. It's a big deal, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. of rabies, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember during World War II, they wouldn't let Roosevelt take his dog there. The dog had to stay on the, on the boat or however he got there. Remember, remember Roosevelt's dog name? Uh, yeah, Fowler. That's right. Yep. Yep. I, I, and you know what? And I got thinking about, and I looked Fowler up on the internet. I mean, I Fowler lived to, uh, another seven more years after Roosevelt passed away. Uh, Fowler? Really? Yeah. Fowler, I believe, was Lyndon Johnson's dog, and Fella was Roosevelt. Did I get that right? Well, I guess we I, 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 I remember this Fowler. But Maybe there's different ways of pronouncing it. Old memory. <laughs> but anyway, I went. I was curious, so I went and Googled it up and found the history of him after uh, whatever happened to him. Uh-huh. He moved into the White House in 1941 or 42, which was to Roosevelt, and then he lived another seven more years. Wasn't well, he a Scotty? Yes. Yeah, he was a black Scotty, the way he, I remember. Yeah, I remember the story uh, that. The people accused Roosevelt uh, of sending back the aircraft carrier to go pick him up. Remember, they were left on an island or something, and Roosevelt defended my dog is Scotch, and you think he would spend any money to come send a boat back to pick him up? You're pretty much crazy, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's amazing how, how important dogs are to us. Mm-hmm. You know, fantastic. 
I, I lied. You guys are going to love this. According to this, LBJ had a dog named J. Edgar. <laughs> yeah, well, he had basset hounds or, or uh, cool hounds. I'm not sure which. <laughs> he said the president named the dog J. Edgar, but later dropped the J and called the dog Edgar. <laughs> oh. That's funny. <laughs> You, you remember the Johnson used to, he used to pick the dog up by the ears? The ears. Oh, dear Lord, did he cause an outcry with that? They've got. Oh, yeah, I can remember doing that. He said, that's perfectly normal. Doesn't hurt the dog. Well, you pick me up by my ears, I'm going to let you know about it. Yeah, well, I, I guess it's different. You have such tiny little shell like ears, I'm sure. <laughs> it's because I'm adorable. Of course. Yeah. And one day I'm going to get an adorable little chick. Chick, Yeah, well, we got, we got to fix you up with a chicken. With <laughs> what? Oh, God. Oh, I was listening to your, um, some of your questions. Yeah, well, um, I wanted to, I missed the last statement. You you said, I'm, you're going to fix me up with what? A chicken. <laughs> one chicken. Chicken. I want a chick. Yeah, a chick. Chick. Okay. Here it is. <clears throat> you have. Excuse me. You have to finish the slogan. You'll stop paying the elbow tax when you start cleaning with Ajax. With Ajax. There you go. Now I can send you Damon Runyon, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I can do that. Is there anything else? Yeah, that was Ajax. Is there anything the else on there that cleanser. you listened to that, that made your ears happy? Yes. Uh, we listened to a few the other day, and it, it was so good. And I just, I, I don't know, I just love the accent. <laughs> Interesting thing about Damon Runyon Theater, um, guess who owned the series? Mm, no idea. The movie star Alan Ladd. Really? Alan Ladd started his own radio production company. He had two series, Box 13, and the other one he had and produced yeah. was Damon Runyon Theater. Yeah, I knew about Box 13, but I didn't know I didn't know that at all. Yeah. Huh. Mayflower Production. I'll be darned. Mayfair. Mayfair Production, I mean. Yeah. No matter what you know, you can always learn something, huh? Yeah, or I'll kind of just wing it along. You never know. As long as we hang around Walden, we'll be, we'll be in good shape. Uh-huh. Very kind. Uh, oh, Patricia, I want to ask you something. So, someone mentioned um, Fanny Bryce uh-huh. earlier. Do you have any access to her music, her songs that she sang? You know, somebody asked me about that a couple of weeks ago, and I couldn't find any. Yeah, see. Walden, do you know where I might be able to look for some? Uh, yeah. Um, she has, you can find a series called Same Time, Same Station. Uh-huh. Which was a radio series, uh, our KRLA, our past in from 72 to 74, uh-huh. where they did radio documentaries. Uh-huh. If you grab the one starring Alan Reed, you know, where Fred Flintstone, he was uh-huh. the original daddy... Uh, Baby Snooks, and they played, oh, yeah. they played some of Fanny Bryce singing her music uh, uh, during that interview. So that's what I want. I want Sam, you made the past too long. <laughs> I did not know that. 
Yeah. Barbara Streisand did it. But oh yeah. But she, she didn't have that. She didn't have the same uh, sound in her voice. No. Okay. Uh, yeah. She got. She was they, the funny girl. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Danny Bryce did it. Uh, very ethnic Jewish, you know. Right, and you know she's best known for saying "That man of mine." I think that was her big hit in the. That's in, the one too, yeah. In the in her vaudeville career. I I I've tried to look her up on the internet, but I'm not too good at that. So I thought I'd ask Patricia because she's an expert. I know. <laughs> well, she she wants people to believe she is. However. <laughs> However. She's got me convinced. I know. Oh, gosh, really? Oh, that is so cool. I'll see what I can do. More than oh, that would be deeply appreciated. My pleasure. If you find it, listen to it, because it's cool song. Okay. In fact, uh, in fact yeah. um, uh, you know what? You're also, Patricia, if you have the good news shows... Some of those songs Fanny Bryce sings on, some of those good news books. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Okay. So that's another source. I do have some of them. Yeah. So that, that that's another place where you can find Fanny Bryce singing some of her music. Huh? Okay. Yeah, I can could, I could remember when I was a kid, my father used to sing that song. Ah, <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. What was the best Father's Day gift you ever got? What was the worst? That's a that's a tough one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's tough if your kids are are listening, but I don't think they're listening. So you can be honest. I, I really having trouble singling anything out because I I always got something pretty neat. Did anybody ever tell you about a really goofy gift? Mm. No, I'm drawing a blank on that. You always uh, have a story for us. Just about the only thing I can ever remember is, uh, oh, I guess it was in the late 60s or early 70s, they came out with this uh, hot lather for shaving. Uh-huh. And I wanted that, and my boys bought me that. I can remember that. I, that was really... Uh, that was a good gift. What happened to the product? Uh, I don't know. It must not have uh, been that popular. It, uh, it, it, I, I know it's not on the scene today. But, uh, yeah, I did get that, and I, I liked that a lot. That sounds pretty cool. You yeah, it was something that you, you uh, I'm trying to remember. You, didn't... you put your can of... Uh, shaving lather in this thing and as it came out through the the spout it was heated uh-huh that was pretty pretty cool How interesting. I, I don't remember what happened to it <laughs> you're a good dad for not asking for a lamborghini or a rolls royce oh no nothing fancy for me simple folk yeah bare, bare bones guy <laughs> <laughs> but no chicks no chicken. No chicks. No baby chicks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny that the little chicks, they all look the same, but they turn out different. It's like babies. You, you want babies yeah, in the history and they all look alike. Yeah, they transition. And they, they, um, 
as I recall, they grow, they grow fast. Yeah, yeah. A couple of weeks, you know, they're entirely different than what they were when you got them. Uh-huh. And in about four months, they're supposed to start laying eggs. Parents who buy kids bunnies and chicks for Easter learn very quickly that even the bunnies grow very fast. Oh, yeah, you know, we had a rabbit. We had a bunny rabbit for years. And every Easter, I had to hand it over the fence to my neighbor because he had two little twin girls, and they used to look forward to playing with that rabbit on Easter Sunday. Oh, that is so sweet. Yes. You know, my daughter brought it home one morning. She left for school, and she returned, and she says, I found a rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we said, plus I had him for about six years. Ooh. That's a long time for a bunny. I, I, yeah, I don't know what their normal lifespan is. But <laughs> Two years. This, how many? Two. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, we had this guy forever. Yeah. I had a rabbit, too, and we, we got hoppy for five. So it was very unusual to have rabbits live more than two years. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm thinking we had this guy at least five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We it was it was fun though they handed over the fence to the neighbors and watched their kids <laughs> with it. That was fun. And what did you name it? As far as I can recall, we didn't give it a name. It was known as the rabbit. Gee whiz! Now my my mother used to tend to it, and I don't know if she had a name for it, but I I don't remember one. That's cute. Well, I'm glad you, you know, that bunny was very lucky he had you. Yeah, well, our, our, um, our animals over the years have had very, very good lives and good attention. We, we, they, they truly did become, all of them became part of the family. Even we had, uh, we've had about 12 dogs and we had two cats. Not and then the, the rabbit and a, a couple of, uh, what do you call, parakeets. Ralph? And a canary. <laughs> and a, I, had a, I had about five tanks of uh, tropical fish at one point. Ralph, I have, some, I have a complaint. What? Twelve dogs and two cats. Does that sound like a balance to me? Well, you know, I... I I didn't really have a feeling for cats until this last one that we had. We had him for 12 years, and he was a sociable guy, and he just became part of the family. But up until that point, I, I wasn't really a cat person. Them's fighting words. Well, how many cats you got? Well, I don't have any right now. Ah. Well, see, I had a little problem here. <laughs> you do? <laughs> I got a lot of problems. No, I, I had a little problem with a little cat. Um, it needed a home, and I adopted this little kitty. Uh-huh. Somebody, I, this was a clue, and I should have realized this. 
It was a wild cat, and it was very young. It was only about five weeks old, six weeks at the maximum, but it looked closer to five weeks. And the person who called me and said, please, you've got to take this little cat, had found it in the engine. It was playing in a car engine. This is a cat that was born in the woods. So, I mean, this was an indication of what kind of a kitty this was going to grow up. Oh, yeah, it was a feral cat, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it was a great little cat, but she needed space. And I truly have a, a very small apartment. And my vet helped me find a home for her, and she has a kitty to play with. So it really worked out very well. But um, that, that was my latest experience with a kitty cat. She was an adorable cat. She really was great. But her idea of fun at night was to clear my desk. So, <laughs> I mean, she did. You could hear her coming, ka-thump, 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 and she'd fly around the corner and take a leap and just put her little feet out and skid everything right off onto the floor. Oh, uh, you know, the last cat, well, the cat we just, uh, we lost him about a year and a half ago. He walked off one day and didn't walk back, so we, oh, we don't know what happened fine. to him. But uh, if you worked out in the yard, this cat would come and find you and lay by you and watch you work in the yard. Oh, how sweet. He was, he was, I think it's unusual for a cat to do that. Yeah. Yeah, he was very attached. Did you give and him he lived, a uh, He lived a good part of his life. Uh, in the woods here, where we have many, uh, many critters that could hurt him. Yeah. And I don't know, I always said it, he was either very smart or very lucky. Because he, he, he had a long life out there. But he didn't want to, he, he would come in the house, but he did not want to sleep in the house. How interesting. And he had the whole property to roam, and we never had a cat box for him, which, which I thought was great. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, that was great. You know, cause he had, yeah, like I say, he had five acres to to explore and take care of his business out there. Uh, you didn't, you didn't have to clean up the five acres. Right, right, right. That's cute. That's he was a carefree cat. Uh, uh, I, I, I think my conversation is drying up. I, I, I haven't got the uh, the ability to stay with it like you do. You seem to stay on on the on point all night. I don't know how you do it. Oh goodness! Well, I like to talk, and Walden likes to talk, and that that just about that. And then people, then you call in, and and other family members call in. We're also flexible, so we can change topics. Hmm. That helps. Yeah. Well, thanks to Ron in Hawaii, I have some Damon Runyons to send you, and I will do that. Yeah, they're really super. I would appreciate that so much. Yeah, I'm starting to listen to them, too. But Ron was the one who sent them to me, so it'll it'll be nice to share them again. And who yeah, played... Who, Broadway. Yeah, who played Broadway? I don't know who he was, oh. but my goodness, he he is he's got the he's got the voice down. I'll oh, tell yeah. you that. Pick me, Walden. Pick me, Walden. All right. What's what, what Ralph? Give give Ralph some clues. What other it what is. other show did Broadway start in? Broadway is John Brown, and he was 
Digger Odell in the life of Riley. Really? Mm -hmm. And he was... I remember him. He was... Oh, well. Gee, that... He doesn't sound nothing like the no. Odell, I know, does he? but he was also... Yeah, he must have had a lot of talent with his voice. Yes. He was Gillis, the next-door neighbor, and the one who worked with, with Riley in the plant, in the airplane plant, and that's a closer voice to what you hear on Broadway. And he okay. was also... Yeah, 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 yeah. ...boyfriend. He was my friend Irma, boyfriend Al. Uh-huh. That's right. Oh, really? I, I, I remember seeing him. Yeah. And oh. let's see, what else did John Brown do? He was Ozzie Nelson's best buddy, uh, Thorn Thorny, Thornberry. Thorny, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember Thorny, yeah. too. Yeah, so John Brown had a very versatile voice. That he oh, my gosh, he was just all over the place with that voice. Yeah. He was great. But, boy, he could handle that. That I don't know, what Broadway, what would we say, Brooklyn? I don't know, what would, what would, what would be... Yes, that's close enough. Brooklyn, New York accent. Yeah. Uh, it, it rang very true to my ear because I, I you know, I lived back there, mm -hmm. huh? and uh, I would say more Brooklyn. More Brooklyn, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't strained at all. Frequently, you'll hear an actor or actress trying to sound like he or she is from a part of the country, and you know it's not their native area. But boy, he just pulled off everything he did. He pulled off. First early thing I have, he was part of Fred Allen's radio series, and he was one of the guys originally that Fred Allen was in Allen's alley when he was knocking the door. So, no, that was oh, yeah. 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 I remember that, too. Yeah. In the uh, alley. Yep. Yeah, Allen's alley. I uh, used to get a kick out of Senator Claghorn. Senator Claghorn, played by Kenny Delmar. Yeah, it was interesting, Kenny Delmar, who was a great announcer of radio who played that character, you know how he came up with the voice for Senator Claghorn? It's a great story. No, he, Kenny Delmar hitchhiked a ride, and the guy who picked him up was a Texas, uh, a Texas salesman, and that's the way he talked. And so he, okay. Kenny Delmar rode with him for all these miles, and then when he decided when they decided to do the out, that's the voice he he used to copy. That's great. Yeah. Wait. You got a lot of them, Walden. <laughs> you're you're a wealth of information. Well, help it helps out. It helps doing a radio show. He's raising me well, Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, there's a lot of people that, that did the radio acting that were very, very versatile. Mm -hmm. I'm totally amazed by some of them. I agree. I agree. Great. And a lot of them were good people, and a lot of them were great storytellers, and that's why a lot of those stories stick in my head. And, you know, they, they just stood in front of a microphone with a script, mm -hmm. uh, but they made you believe every part of the story was real. And that, yeah. That's talent. Yeah, he didn't feel like they were just reading a script. Yeah. No. Amazing. I know I couldn't do it. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a gift. There's no doubt about it. That's how come they got to do the jobs. Mm -hmm. I would save it, you know. And we didn't. When I was a, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a sound effects man on the radio. No kidding! What made you? Oh yeah, the teacher said, "What do you want to be?" I said, "I want to be a sound effects man." <laughs> Ralph, 
That's amazing. Most kids don't even know that there's a sound effects man. Oh, I was very aware of it, you know. And uh, uh, still today, there, there are very few of them around. Yeah. When, uh, the old school sound effects man. Right. But, uh, where's the guy? Uh, uh, Country Home Com... Uh, What's the name of that program? Uh, Prairie Home Companion. Prairie Home Companion. Yeah. Well, he's got a, he's got a sound effects man working on that program, mm -hmm. and um, I got to see him operate a couple of times, and uh, it's amazing. He doesn't have that much stuff to work with, but he can make any kind of sound you want. I think sound effects people were among and probably were the most underrated part of all-time radio. No one was more unrecognized and underrated than the sound effects people. Yeah, well, I, I, it's funny. I like them, though. I, I really, uh, I, I thought they were the greatest. I and um, do you remember one where Jack Benny had a sound effects man? And the guy kept breaking in with all kinds of stuff, and then he was going nuts. Uh-huh. Gene Twombly. <laughs> that was really the name of Jack Benny's really true sound effect man, and they wrote a part for that. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Ah, listen, I'm going to leave you good folks. Well, I'm glad you called in, even if I don't have a check. Well, I'll work on it. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to be adorable when you don't have a chick. <laughs> <laughs> you're a chick. I'm a chick. Yeah, you're a chick. You're too funny. Okay, we'll work on this. Walden, well, I say goodnight to you. You stay lovable. Well, same here, Ralph. You take care of the ball, and uh, we'll talk to you in two weeks. Next yeah, week, yeah, I have a good time. At, uh, is that a convention yeah, you go to? It, yeah, it's a convention. I'm running a convention in Seattle. We'll, we'll broadcast it here. So Patricia gets to play hooky while I'm working, and that's what we'll do. Okay. All right, Patricia, I'm going to be sending that envelope back to you. Oh, please do. Oh, I meant to say, Kelly, Ralph finally got one where his root person didn't make crayon marks oh, all over his oh, head. Wow. That's the old guy. <laughs> that's so funny. I'm putting a little something in there for you, too. Oh, that's sweet. Thank you. I'll send something back empty. Okay. <laughs> all right. Good night, now. Good night, Ralph. Bye, Ralph. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There goes Ralph. 714-545-2071. I forgot, I forgot, I forgot to tell you. You forgot what? That... The Eagle has landed. Hooray! Yeah, from Nolan's mm -hmm. mailbox to mine. And I sent it out on its 13th trip. I tell you, this Eagle, it really is flying quicker than normal. I hope to tell you. Now, I may have wrecked it. I think it, it was okay. I put some 3 cent stamps yep. and a 20 cent stamp on it. I yep. added to it. Yep. Because, you know, the, the second ounce postage went up from 17 cents to 20 cents. You were being honest. Well, yeah. <laughs> 13 trips out of a single envelope, I don't know. But I, I thought it would look like I knew what I was doing because I put the 3 cent stamps there that would make up the difference for the extra, you know? So I don't know. 
I have to wait for Nolan to tell me whether or not it it is still on a sale. You know, you're going to be so disappointed. That's what triggered the false alarms. I know. Oh, I'm 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 going to fall on my ceremonial uh-huh. sword. Uh-huh. I mean, this thing has been going for a year now. I know. At least. I know. At least. I mean, you should see the envelope, Walden. It crunk. It's really it it crunk crumpy crunchy and and flexible, huh? The, the word is pathetic. <laughs> Just pathetic, this yeah. poor thing. You know, it's one of the squishy bubble envelopes. Oh, yeah. And the bubbles are fine. It's the outside. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> the coating is starting mm-hmm. to wear. Mm-hmm. But I got smart, and I put tape over my return address because Nolan puts a sticker up there with his return address, and when I peel it off carefully, it would leave my return address there. But, you know, it eventually it's starting to get a little worn. So I, I made I made my return address very carefully, mm-hmm. and I put tape over it. So no one can put his sticker on top of the scotch tape, and I can just peel it off. And uh, so it's it's doing very well. You know, all, all things considered, we're going to have to put extra postage on for the amount of tape we've put on this thing. But so so when postage goes to a dollar, you're going to just have to increase the, the pennies to this puppy. Oh, my goodness. You know, I mean, if I put any more stamps on it, we're going to owe stamps because of the scotch, the, the stamps and the scotch tape weigh so much. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's fun. It's fun. I mean, this is very inexpensive fun. How much entertainment can you get from $3 worth of stamps? I don't even think there's $3 on there. That, that can't be even buy a, a full meal anymore. No. No. It, and it can't buy... It can't buy a movie. It can't nope. buy a Netflix. Nope. It can't. It, it can buy an awful lot of Saturday night entertainment. That's true. Fun stuff. Are you ready for a little bit of an Oscar event? Oh, and, yes. and and Gregory Radoff. This is the one I chose. I thought you would get a kick out of. Oh, good. Okay. Oh, good. So, okay. here we go, folks. I love Patricia when she gets a kick out of this one. Here we go. Oscar Levant and Gregory Radoff. This one from Eleanor Redden of Plainfield, New Jersey. This is a musical question, gentlemen. Now, you're going to hear three different compositions played. Each of them should suggest to you the name of a country. Is that clear? Now, I want you to tell us where the country stands in the war. In other other words, is it neutral? Is it uh, Axis-dominated? Or is it a United Nations country? Is that clear? Let's have a first. That's a Romanian Rhapsody by Inesca, and that's what the Germans. That's very, absolutely right, Mr. Radoff. That's very good. Did you get that, Mr. Levant? I wouldn't have gotten it. No, that's very decent. Can you tell me I know something that you don't? <laughs> <laughs> it happens once in a while. That's what Mr. Radoff uh, told us at once, and of course, Romania is an Axis-dominated country. Now, how about the second one? Turkish uh, thing by Mozart. No, 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 the no. ruins of Athens. No, no, no. Mr. Radoff, straighten, straighten out Levant. That's yes. a Turkish march by Beethoven. 
No, not by Beethoven. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, then I was right. I said the ruins of Athens by Beethoven. Yes, it is. It is from the ruins. Me hollers, no. I don't Why know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You sound like Be a Zarevich. Be friends Zarevich. again, boys. Be friends. <laughs> now, you still haven't answered the question. Yeah, Turkey is neutral, uh, Tur so-called. Turkey is neutral, yes. I think you must have meant uh, it, it is from the ruins of Athens, and that's the Turkish march Naturally. in Naturally. May I excuse myself Go ahead, Mr. Rata. In Russia, it's called Turkish march. Huh? But we, we say the same thing no here. We say the same thing here. But he meant he meant the composition of which it's a part. I it's a march right. from the ruins of yeah. Athens. And Turkey, of course, is neutral. Now, how about the third and last? Gee. I'm going to give Mr. Levant another chance. Well, I was right before, and I'm right again. We did it the last time. I'll do it again. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, Tchaikovsky. That's Russia. Yeah, not much uh, question Nuts about... Nutcracker. Nuts, no, Nutcracker Sweet. Nutcracker uh, Sweet, yes. Uh, it's a jawbreaker for you. Uh, uh, and that, uh, Russia, of course, is... It's not neutral. Yeah, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that gives us two and three quarters out of three. How about this one? Sorry about that. I had to finally adjust. I noticed why it's been a little bit too loud. I had to turn something down. So so hopefully we got to chance to enjoy a little bit of Oscar Levant during yesterday, USA. We can always play another one. Sooner than later, after I got my... Now I know where to fix. That was good. I had to um, take my phone headset off and listen on my radio headset because sometimes it doesn't come through the phone properly. Yeah, and you know, and I figured out what, and I figured out how to adjust that to make it sound better. Oh no, kidding! Yeah. I mean, I don't mind doing it. It's just that I'm a second or two behind you. Ah. Uh. <laughs> so when you when you come back and say, and that was Oscar Levant, I'm still listening. That's good. So on the broadcast, so. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, let me see what I did with my stuff here. Oh, stuff, stuff, stuff. I have stuff. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Oh, no, we're still a little short with Ron, huh? Yeah, yeah, he's still waiting for the kids to come over to say Happy Father's Day. How, how much time do we have? I think he's three hours behind us. Three hours, okay. So we've got another two hours, not even two hours. Yep. Another, another uh, hour and 45 minutes. And 47 minutes. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. Okay, I'm good. All right, now, we have got stuff tonight. Well, we didn't give people our, our email addresses if you want to get in touch with us or yell at us for something or say nice things. What is your – oh, I'll tell them. Well, you there? I, I, you know what? What? I can just say it this way. Patricia's email is floridawriter at hotmail.com. That's F-L-O-R-I-D-A-W-R-I-T-E-R at hotmail.com. If you have anything nice to say, send it to her. And if you have anything bad to say, you could send it to... To, all, to me. Walden Hughes yes. at yesterdayusa.com. His name is F-W-A-L-D-E-N-H-U-G-H-E-S. Sometimes people get the E mixed up with another letter. So, Walden Hughes at yesterdayusa.com. If you have bad stuff to send, and if you have good stuff to send, you can send it to Florida Writer at hotmail.com. And you can always call us 972-889-TALK. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no, now you're going to do this again. You tell them the correct number, please. 714-545-2071. That's the correct number. I have some good stuff. 
we've got shows, but I've got Guinness Book of World Records. All right. And I've got um, Father's Day. We already did. Mm -hmm. And I've got a couple of June 19th birthdays. Who was born on June 19th? Mo Howard. Oh, yes. From the Three Stooges. Yep. Do you know what his actual birth name was? Marlon Berg? I don't, I don't think I know. Now, Moses Horowitz. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Wow. You know, sometimes I think I know things that I don't know, but I think I do anyway. Okay, Guy Lombardo. He was oh, yeah. Two. And by the way, Mo Howard was born in 1897 and died in 1975. So he was 78 years old. Yep. Guy Lombardo was born in 1902 and died in 1977, so he was only 75. So what? And Lou Gehrig. Ah, the Yankee Clipper. Lou Gehrig, June 19th. He was born June 19th, 1903, and of course he had um, Lou amyotrophic yeah. sclerosis, or Lou Gehrig's disease. So he died very young. He only uh, made the age 30. He was 38 years old. Yeah. So. Get, getting back to Guy Lombardo. Uh-huh. What else is he known for, besides being a band leader? I don't know. I know Fred Waring is the Waring Blender, but Correct. I didn't know Guy Lombardo had other stuff. He had other stuff. He was a world champion speed winner in what category? Speed, S-P-E-E-D? Correct. Well, let me think. Wasn't a driver. Well, in a way, he was a driver. He, what what did he drive? That's I guess my big question he to you. Instruments. What um, what is the answer? He was a, a a boat racer. No kidding. Yeah. I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, that was his that was his thing. He was racing boats. So he really was a driver. Uh huh. Huh. I did not know that. You didn't. Well, no, that's okay. I didn't. He, I I know. All right. Guess what we've got in the freebie department? Hmm. What do? What were we working on last week? We were working well, on. Ran out of ice cream. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to figure out what how what you were on the look for. Was it cookies? Yeah, I tried to find cookies. How about brownies? I didn't find any cookies though. How, how I think about, that's terrible. How about brownies? Nope, didn't find brownies. Oh. I know what for Patricia found that she have already taken advantage of it. What? Hot fudge. Oh, I, no, I didn't find any hot fudge. Uh, I didn't take advantage of it. I went looking for chocolate. Chocolate. Chocolate is a very big category. Mm-hmm. So I found in Jack in the Box, of all places, a birthday club. You have to go, and I had... This is a, a screwy address. I, I'll give anybody the address. But for a birthday, they will send you a coupon for your birthday, and you can choose chocolate overload cake for your birthday, wow. your cheesecake for your birthday. I love cheesecake. These mini churros, and I don't know what that are. That, that's a Mexican, um, uh, those, are, those rolls are uh, twisted and powdered sugar on them. Oh, sounds good. 
that is wonderful. Okay, well, chocolate overload cake sounds pretty okay to me. <laughs> and I have the coupon address. So if anyone would like the Jack in the Box coupon address where you can email and uh, actually you, you fill in a form online. It is the strangest thing. When you go to jackinthebox.com, yep. I can find absolutely nothing there that even gives a hint that they've got a birthday club. But I put chocolate and good stuff in my Google search, and the coupon site came up. So it is a jackinthebox.com address, but it's like slash coupon slash happy dash birthday dash two dash you, you know, that kind of stuff. Why did I, I do copy and paste it for anyone who wants a free chocolate goodies or a free dessert at Jack in the Box on your birthday. Just let me know, and I will send you the address. I wonder why they bury things like that. I don't know. That yeah. happened in a couple of other places, mm -hmm. too. But, boy, I found them. And TCBY, our very friendly yogurt people who oh, had yeah. Mother's Day freebie. Yep. Mother's Day? Yep. They have a freebie for Father's Day tomorrow. Nice. Dad's, it says, Dads across the country, for all they do, they will be rewarded with a, a small copper cone of TCBY's recently released Super Fro-Yo, whatever that is. Uh-huh or any of its other signature yogurt products for Father's Day. Isn't that neat? Do you we, remember what TCBY stands for? We looked it up. You looked it up for us. Yes, we did. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, it's P and Paul, right? T, C as in country. Yeah. B as in boy. Y as in yogurt. Uh-huh. P and Paul, right? T oh I'm sorry, T is Tom. Tom. That can't so we've be got yogurt. That's that's um Uh-huh. I don't recall. I can't think of it what it is. The country's best yogurt. Ah. And it's so simple and makes such good sense that we can't remember it. <laughs> so anyway, for all the daddies in the world, TCBY is rewarding you with free ice cream cone tomorrow or yogurt, frozen yogurt cone. And we have some special, really special stuff. I found that this week in June is Meet a Mate Week. National Meet a Mate Week. Very romantic. Very. Very. Uh, I don't know how you're going to cram that into six days. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it says. Well, they say June is the big month for weddings. For I weddings, guess yeah. I guess you meet your mate on one June and marry up the next, I guess. Oh, I guess, you know, a year is about right. You know? Okay. Now, this week... From June 23rd to June 26th is National Watermelon Seed Spitting Week. Oh, boy. Isn't that good stuff? Yeah, yeah. 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 It's really good. Okay, I've got some, some special stuff. You always 17, do. 1942. 
What do you got there? Suspense, known as Theater of Thrills, debuted on CBS. Suspense. Yeah. Hello there. I just came back from a gig, so I'm I'm exhausted. We thought you you were celebrating Father's Day a couple of hours early. No, I had to play for Father's Day banquet. Hey, listen, yeah. um, um, Patricia. Yes. Do you have um Frank Mary Frank Merriwell? Is that his name? Walter. Uh huh. Merriwell. Frank Merriwell. You bet. You got some of his stuff. I have some of his stuff, but not very many. Okay, I'll, I'll probably send you a lot. <laughs> Also, how about Warren talking about Alan Young? Yes, the one and only Alan Young. You have Alan Young shows? Do you have any, Patricia? I don't think so. No. I'll send you some Alan Young. Tell tell Patricia who Alan Young was. Well, well Alan, whatever you know about Alan. Alan Young is a really nice man who comes on the show whenever I want to call him. Uh, he was from Canada. Actually, yeah. He was from Canada, started, came, he came down to the United States when he was 17, started his first national radio show in 1944, and when he went off the air, uh, he sort of came, he sort of came up with some of the famous characters, uh, got Senator Claghorn, Kenny Delmar, and Jim Backus, and those guys sprung off the Alan Young show to start their own career. Yeah. And Alan Young tried again in the late 40s. He was Jimmy Durante's uh, co-star. After Gerald Moore, uh, what, uh, G- uh, Gerald Moffat left, or Gary Moore. And, no, Thomas, Thomas Gary Moore. Thomas, let's see, how did, what did Gary Moore go by his real name? Thomas Moffat, I think it was. Anyway, so Alan is still very much worth it, still, write, still doing cartoon voices and writing books. So he's a, yeah. still a busy guy. Well, the key yeah, to that is that he got to Canada. Also, um, quickly give me a synopsis on Walden of Frank Merriwell. Frank Merriwell, yes, alright, I'll give you a trivia question for... have that down pat, Patricia. Scottish. I wish she said Scotland. I noticed. She had a little accent. Uh-huh. It's, it's Scottish, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Patricia, are you part Scottish? I am not Scottish, no. <laughs> what are you? I am American. I know, but what, 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 um, what, what, My um, mother's family was uh, of German ancestry, and my father's was Irish. Oh. Hmm. Very interesting. Interesting the combination. Irish too. You get, get fiery. Yeah, I tend to favor the Irish side of the family. I like, you know, I mean, I guess I like Dennis Day so much when he sang, you know, his Irish. Yes. Tune. Oh yes, what a wonderful tenor he was. Yeah. Lord the Boom and all. I mean, he, even those songs he did so well. Uh huh. Of course, no nobody ever can sing Danny Boy. As well as Dennis Day, but I mean, he just he he just sang on a Jack Benny show some of his Irish tunes, that McNamara's band. All that. It was just, just a wonderful talent, you know. I agree. 
And what was Dennis Day's real name? I can't remember. What is it? Oh, I'm so sorry. What was it? Dennis McNulty. Yeah, McNulty, that's yeah, right. That's right. McNulty. Dennis McNulty. McNulty. Yes. Okay, well, when you have like a test, I'll remember that. <laughs> yeah. You don't hear too many t Irish tenor singers around too often anymore, do you? No. We don't hear any singers <laughs> <laughs> very much anymore. I mean, think about it. Uh-huh. Are you excited, Walden, about your trip on Wednesday? I am. I'm putting in a lot of work into it, so I'm setting a lot of other prizes to get it ready. And I am... I, I feel really good. Look like everybody is coming that we invited, and I still got a lot of work in front of me, just trying to fill in the interviews and seeing who's available. And I'm probably going to be the main guy on the air pretty much all the time, hosting it and doing interviews. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking for, and we'll be broadcasting it live, and it'll sound really good because uh, Paul. Magic will be using yeah, laptop, yeah, that's, uh, laptop <clears throat> technology, so it should sound really good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing you guys from Hawaii. From Hawaii. From Florida, I mean, it should be pretty neat. I know, Patricia gets to have the whole week off. What are you going to do, Patricia? I don't know. <sighs> She's going to email us. And I know. Some exciting She'll probably read a book. Maybe I'll make some CDs and send them out. <laughs> You never know. <laughs> you never know. By the way, I, got, I tell you, I am really enjoying the last batch you sent me. I hear such wonderful programs, and every time I listen to Meet Millie, I think of the hard work you put into it. And a hearty family is something that I never thought I would get because I always wanted all my, for all the time that we're collecting some hearty family shows and so now I got some. I am so glad. You know that the, the Hardy family was not as difficult to find as Meet Millie. Really? Boy, I really had to put my my feelers out for that one. That was that was hard. That you was know, a hard one. So the, I'm very happy I found her. You know on the Hardy family one it's interesting online you can find a nineteen thirty nine Hardy family Christmas greeting. It runs about five minutes. I can't give it a radio promo. Mm -hmm. That's floating out. And I have no idea how come we have that, that was developed. It must have been developed strictly for radio. I believe it was. Ron, yeah. I think that's in the in the group of Hardy family shows that I sent you. Okay. The Christmas reading. Stone was a fabulous um, actor who acted as a judge and the father of them. And mm -hmm. Hardy, he was really good. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. The Aldrich family and the Hardy family both had what might be construed as screwy circumstances and screwy situational comedies, but they all made sense. Uh huh. Both made sense. And Mr. Aldrich was an attorney. And Mr. Hardy was a judge. Right, so yeah. Maybe you had to have a legal background for a, a story to make sense. Well, you know, can you imagine living with a name of um, House Jameson as your name? Uh-huh. 
Henry Alder's father's name was... House Jameson, yes. He, he should have changed it to Sam Aldridge. It sounds more more built <laughs> in House Jameson. How would you like to be called House? You know what my favorite story about House Jameson is? <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, well, you know, in the Aldridge family, was, you had one of those that had an East Coast, West Coast broadcast. So, in other words, you would do a broadcast for the East Coast, and you wait three hours to do the broadcast for the West Coast. He did the uh, broadcast in the East, and he went home, and it got to be showtime, and they called, he forgot about it. He was so busy reading a book, he forgot oh. to come back to do the show, so they had a cover for him. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, that's... It was at his house. Uh-huh. That's better than... Tommy. house, so he said his house, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it really is. That's better than Tommy Cook's bathroom story. I know, <laughs> I know it. I know, oh, poor Tommy being locked in. Tommy will be on the show with us live Friday, July the 8th, everybody. We will, um... Tommy we'll, Cook acted as, um, William Bendick's son on the Life of Riley. Uh-huh, he was junior. Yeah. He was junior. Yeah. And Tommy or I will get on, we'll celebrate his birthday. His birthday July the 5th. He's too busy working that weekend, July the 2nd. He, uh, Peggy Weber got me in a western, so he's going to be doing two shows, so we'll wait till uh, he gets done doing the show, and we'll talk to him on Friday night, July the 8th, oh, really? and we'll reminisce about his radio days, and uh, people can call and talk to the one and only Tommy Cook. How old is Tommy Cook? Tommy will be a young 81. Wow. Yep. Wow. Two years older than... No, I know. That's... Two years older than... I know. Huh? My 79th birthday is coming. Patricia. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still remember that call. Well, um, after we talked about Patricia, and they called him, you know, Patricia, they, they called him, and he said, you know, I just can't believe that you're 78 because you sure don't sound somebody. <laughs> they tell me you're 78. Something's wrong here because mm-hmm. you just don't sound like it. <laughs> I know. That was your friend Milton. He really thought that you were saying, oh, that was funny. Well, you started it. <laughs> you were the one who started it. You have to admit, up front. I had, I had to go to church and repent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have to. I couldn't believe how they were really believing. And he really believed it, yeah. Thank you. Well, tell me about tonight's show. What did he do? Who did he play for? And how did it go? I was at the Yacht Club, and mm-hmm. we um, made a Father's Day performance for, you know, Father's Day tomorrow, and we played some, you know. What song do you play for Father's Day? There's a song called, well, we could play Oh My Papa, which is... Uh-huh. Eddie, Eddie Fisher. It was so wonderful. Yep. And it, there's a nice Hawaiian song called... God bless my daddy, you know. Uh. It was it, it was it was a real nice mm-hmm. night anyway. And then Paul Peterson made a song called My Dad. My Dad, yeah. Dad. So, he was a man, you know. Sort of, and we did that. So 
We need some good Father's so Warm what? Father's Day. So what are you going to do for Father's Day? You know, my children, I have all girls, my one boy, but they all have, you know, in-laws and stuff, and so, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I may end up listening to you tomorrow <laughs> and crying in my water. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what's coming on tomorrow night. Just to help celebrate fathers. The first hour, we're going to run an interview with Don Amici. And Don Amici will talk about his career in radio. Uh, then later that night, we'll run an Amos Nanny and Phil Harris. And then we're going to run a Ray Bream interview a sec the second time uh, when Wes Paul came over to tell more stories. Why did Don Amici, was Jim Amici and Don Amici the same people? Uh, Don Amici and, and, uh... And Jim? Was it Jim Amici? Yeah. Or, yeah. Huh? They, were, they were brothers. Oh, they were brothers? Yeah. They sound alike, right? They did. In fact, that's what happened. That's what... Her, uh, Don Amici lost his job on the Jack Armstrong show because his brother Jim was Jack. And people... And Don was Coach Hardy, and they thought they sounded too similar. So Don had to leave the show. I couldn't... Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really thought they were the same person because they sound so much alike, and I couldn't know which is Jim and Michi, which is Don and Michi. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they looked very much alike as well. People mm -hmm. for years, and I guess many still do, thought they were twins. I think Don and Michi became more uh, well-known because of what Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Right, and he was a movie star. He was a good-looking movie star of the 30s. And Jim, Jim pretty much stayed with radio. Till the very end. But see, was Don Amici with the Edgar Bergen show, right? Yep, Don Amici with the Edgar Bergen show. He also was one of Patricia's favorite. He was John in the Baker sets. Yeah, it was all Don Amici. Yep. Wasn't Jim Amici. But I bet you he could have fooled us and, and played John Bickerson and we wouldn't have known that. <laughs> no, would not. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. They could, they could have passed off for each other. Mm -hmm. Anyway, one of the interesting thoughts, you're going to, t you'll hear uh, Don Misha talked about the famous Mae West broadcast. You'll hear Don talk about how he was the standby person for Lux Radio Theater, who, when a star couldn't make it, he was the one that we, he had, they would call him to come in and fill in of a broadcast. That Mae West story, what was it about now? Um, what was it? What was it, Mae West? Mae West, in uh, December 14, 1937, they did, Arch Ober wrote uh, the Adam and Eve skit. It was played by Don and me, she was playing Adam, Mae West was playing Eve, and Mae West put her little interpretation on it, and she was pretty much banned for radio for about at least 15 years. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, I thought that skit, was okay. Mm -hmm. There wasn't anything overtly sexual about mm -hmm. it. Even even with her come up and see me sometime type spin on it, mm -hmm. it was not a bad skit. I don't know what what set the censors on fire. I, it was strictly well, her interpretation of it, I guess. But it just it truly just was not that bad. Mm -hmm. It was not. Even, it wasn't even a case of being that bad. It was not bad. Mm -hmm. It was not naughty. It just wasn't. I mean, it was kind of a screwy script, but 
Um, well, and considering our Cowboy wrote it, I mean, that's the way he did it, you know. But I thought it was very well performed. I thought it was a, a, a really screwy script, as I say. I mean, it's not, it's not one that I would have put out as the best script in the world. But she really got nailed with it. It's, it is, am I correct in my understanding that she never returned to radio after that? I think the I think correct the next appearance when she made guest shots on Frank Brzee's Gone Days of Radio. Uh huh. So I think I think that was it. But from her radio performing, it was over with. Yep. Even if even if the ban had been lifted, I don't think she would have come back. Well, she was doing so good in the movies in her private stage in her stage shows. You know, she she had a run. She was she had an appearance that matched her voice. Mm-hmm. Well, you look, two, I'm going to buzz off oh. because I think I tied the listener line and we need to see if anybody else would like to call. So I will say to the two of you, uh, first of all, Walton, you have a good trip to Seattle. Thank you, Ron. A safe one and we we'll look forward to um, listening to you from Hawaii with on your lap, friend's laptop. Yep. And, um, Patricia will get some stuff in the mail within a couple of weeks. That is so sweet of you to do that. But you are, you are a wonderful, I mean, you are very charitable. Yep. Uh, I'll I'll tell a big secret about Patricia. Go ahead. She's adorable, too. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, you don't find a lady that's 78 with that much energy. I know. I know, and and adorable, too. (laughs) Yeah, and so I'm really impressed. I know. I will, yeah, and I think that um, sometimes we want to be adorable to her. And I know. Her some goodies. Well, you so. do. Both of you take very good care of me. Well, we by, we think highly of you. I know That's I speak right. for Walter That's as well. True. And, and many of the listeners that listen. But I sure would like to know what happened to the president of your fan club. Well, I just will find out. I'm Hopefully she's okay. And I imagine she's listening. And I imagine when she can get free, she'll give us a call sometime. I hope so. Yeah. You have her email, right, Patricia? Uh huh. Yeah. Email her and say, there's some people it? that are worried about you. Ah. Uh, yeah. Need to hear from you or you whatever. Bet. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll buzz off and say to the two of you, aloha from Hawaii. Aloha. Happy Father's Day. It's drizzling. It's drizzling. Oh, in Hawaii? Oh, no. Somebody just came back from um, Orlando last week and said it was really hot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was really hot in Orlando. Very hot. Very hot. It was a a hot week. Yeah. There were a couple of days when... It was really hot. 100 degrees, yeah. Unfortunately, he told me, too, that there are some people that really, because of heat, they passed out, you know, um, you know, Disney World because of the, the the heat, and I guess they're not used to to that kind of hot temperature. You know, who passed out? Some people. Oh, people, the not not your people. Okay. Well, not my people, but just huh? people. Well, you know, it kind of sneaks up on you. It it really sneaks up on you. You have you to have keep to, yourself hydrated. I guess you have to stay well hydrated, and um, you know, beer doesn't do it. Alcohol will just make the situation worse. So. All right. Well, on that, but you know what? On a happy note, 
Yeah. Disney World is a wonderful place. I wouldn't know. You never been? I've never been there, Ron. <laughs> I'm so ashamed. See, I'm a hermit. I, you don't believe me. I am a, I am an introvert and a hermit. Well, on your 79th birthday, I hope <laughs> maybe I could get out. There you go. Yeah. We'll talk to you guys later. Aloha from Hawaii. Aloha. Father's Day. There's a tired orchestra leader. The Ryan only Ron. And the 714-545-2071. I think Patricia's doing really well. She didn't, you know, hold a 5 o'clock and she's still bouncing and bubbly and uh, she had a big day. You're doing good, Patricia. Okay, I'm upright. You are... Able to take nourishment, I think. You are... Uh-huh. You're super good. You're very good. You know, the show started late. I know. And all of a sudden, look at where we are on the clock. I know. First, first hour, we didn't have anybody since then. It's been raining good. Hello there, you're on the air. Well, <clears throat> I really don't know what to say about some of this. But... Well, uh, well <clears throat> okay. You do? Oh, yes, you do. I know it. I have faith. I, I have my own room where I started at a restaurant one time. That's how much you're 78 years old. We were going in a restaurant, and the line was backed up to the door when we got into it. And these people came up behind me, and you know I didn't say it for their benefit. I was just making a dumb comment. <laughs> and I told Barbara, I said, yeah, I bet you won't get in here for two hours. And these people come behind me and his wife and some kids, I think, and somebody came behind him. And uh, he said, I'm not waiting no two hours here. We're going somewhere else. <laughs> and it was just a stupid comment, but he took it for fact. Did it clear out anybody ahead of you? No, that was the problem, but it sure cleared out everybody behind us. It was, it was the wrong end. Exactly. Yeah, you should have you should have talked forward and not backwards. <laughs> How are you? Oh, it, was, oh, it was probably a joke, but I remember hearing somewhere about a guy in the grocery store that had all these people ahead of him, and somebody came up behind him and he turned around and said, "Did you sign up for that free Ferrari back there at the back of the store?" <laughs> and the guy said, "No," and took off. And the whole line did. And he walked up and checked out and left. So that's how you clear out the front of the line. I like that. Free chocolate would work for me. Yeah. I was, going, I was thinking a while ago when you were talking about uh, going to the Jack in the Box website. Uh-huh. And you finding these off-the-wall little places on the websites. <clears throat> I was thinking she smelled the chocolate. I did. You knew. That's how you you found it. I think so. It was my chocolate sniffer. Yeah. It it really was. I mean, when you get when you get something that is called the name of this, the name of the dessert is chocolate overload cake. How how could you miss it? You know. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. 
I'm, I'm about six blocks from a jack-in-the-box, but I bet I could smell that. If I went outside in the parking lot, I'll bet I could smell the chocolate. Yeah, you probably could. Well, yeah, I'm good with that. How are you? Well, my back's giving me a pretty bad fit again. I oh. I to do another shot Tuesday, and uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. But uh, it's been rough getting along the last week or so. What are they going um, to be able to do for you? In the long, uh, on a long-term basis, what? I, I don't know. Um, you know, I had one of these shots in my shoulder probably 15 years ago, and I never had another problem. Yeah. And I keep hoping, but I don't think that's going to happen this time. Yeah. Back um, whole different engineering uh, jobs. What those they gave me the last time did help my hips and legs. Um, I have a little problem occasionally, but it it pretty well did a good thing on it, but. On up in my back where it's so bad, it didn't do nothing much for that. It seemed to, but I don't know the last week. It's it's really gotten bad. And, um, you know, part of it might have been my own fault, too, because I've been having to work pretty hard and lifting stuff, and, and I'm sure that didn't help. But I hope the shot's going to do some good. I hope so. That affects everything. I didn't call last week, and I didn't listen either. We had a tremendous storm through here Saturday afternoon. Really? And um, I'm still finding things hit by lightning. I think I fixed most of them, and I had three computers messed up, and um, all these other things that blew over the mount with the TV antennas on it for this monitoring thing I have here uh -huh. for a company out of New York that monitors um, advertising. And luckily, it didn't tear the antennas up much. They were salvageable, but uh, it blew the mount over, and I got to do some, I got it back on, but I got to do some major work about that. It's just going to take a while. Wow. And um, light switch, you know, little wall wart type transformer burned up, and um, How many hits? Computers. How many lightning hits? Do what? How many hits of lightning did it did you take? I really don't know. Um, I suspect two or three. Wow. Uh, I don't think they were all the same intensity, <laughs> but it didn't matter. Lightning hill make a mess. Yeah. Um, I guess I was lucky it was no worse than it was because I've had some worse ones years ago. Um, oh, yeah, and it got one leg off the three-face line coming into the shop, but that was the power company's problem, not mine. But the last time I really got a hit on that three-phase line, it burned up the motor on a milling machine, and <laughs> at the time I had insurance on the machine. Mm -hmm. um, but the deductible was $500, and it cost 400 and something to rewind the motor. Oh, no. <laughs> a lot of good that was. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, Boy, that's that's really serious stuff when you get hit more than once. Oh, it is. And you have that much stuff that got fried. Holy cats. Well, you know, it could have been a whole lot worse. The uh, TV monitoring stuff, um, it went down the computer, wouldn't come back up, and they called me having a fit about that, and really what it turned out to be was nothing but one of these um, filters. You know, you plug into the phone line, you plug your... Uh, router in one side and your phone in the other. Uh-huh. It burned that, and, of course, it was internal. You couldn't see it. 
and I've lost another one just like it that went into the phone system, but I found it pretty quickly. Um, so the TV stuff could have been a lot worse um, than it was. Of course, it all could have been. But, um, and of course, it caused that low-power radio station to go down, too. But there again, that wasn't my problem. I have so it's a mess. Yeah. Can I ask you a lightning question? Absolutely. I've got hot answers. <laughs> You've got lots of answers. My building got hit one time a bunch of years ago, and everything in in the apartment that was turned on got damaged. So I lost a modem and a computer, and my television set went bluey. That got burned out. But anything that was not on was fine. Why did that happen? Well, number one, you didn't get a really serious hit. No. This uh, distri distributed hit, anyway, throughout the building. Um, because if it had, it would have jumped to switches. Uh, what happened was you had a, a power surge type thing that was much more than what you normally see off of the, off of the uh, power line. And it was enough that it got all the electronics since they were on. They have a very low tolerance for lightning, uh, a lot lower than the old tube type equipment did. Uh -huh. um, but in a really serious hit, a switch is nothing because you can have tremendous arcs and a switch won't stop it. Um, so you really didn't get a bad hit especially after it was distributed out through the building, but it was enough to get the electronics. Certainly did. I can, I can lose a lot of stuff, but my telly went. <clears throat> okay. I had to get a new telly. Uh, I don't know that I ever missed that much, but... <laughs> well, my problem is, no matter what I have, uh, whether I use it much or not, if it doesn't work, it bugs the heck out of me. Oh, yeah. and, and if I've got to get it back on, even if I'm not going to use it. Uh-huh. And if it's... I mean, I, I want to be able to go turn the switch and it works. Right. And if it's the thing that doesn't work, it's the one you need. Oh, that's always the case. Sure, sure. You haven't turned it on for 12 months, but that's the one you're going to need. Yep. Um... Well, are you in the market for a question? I think I can dig up a question that might puzzle you. You probably can. I don't know. Let's see what we got here. Uh, I'm running low on questions. I have to do some homework next week. Let's see what we got here. Okay. All right. This is this is one that has been out before, and if you paid attention, you would know it. Fibber McGee and Molly had an animal that was sort of a pet. Not a bird, but an animal, an actual animal. What What animal did they have? Well, they had a horse at one time. They did have a horse. Do you remember the horse's name? Not right offhand. Horse is all I wanted, but the horse's name was Lillian. And we're going to have okay. it on this one night. You done okay. good. All righty. You got the answer. So that means um, you've already racked up a whole bunch of IOUs, so you can pick anything. We 
Well, you can just add another one right now. Just add another um, IOU. Two, week, two weeks ago, the following Monday, I was thinking of several things, but that was two, two weeks ago, so it's prehistoric. Okay, well, I, I did something with Ralph. We talked about it because he was in the same boat. He said, oh, my gosh, I don't know what I want. So I made him a disc with a couple of a whole slew of different shows. Would you like one of them? Well, yeah, that'd be all right. And then if there's something in there that really tickles you. Well, like I said two weeks ago, I had five or six different things that I wanted, and now they just will not come to me. <laughs> of course. So, you know how that is. Of course not. Sure, I'll send you a sampler, and there will be something in there that really twirls your turban. And you can let me know what it uh, is. Well, I, I really need to write them down. That's what I need to do. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh-huh. Been there, done that. Um, I used to be really good with grocery lists. I'm not good with grocery lists anymore. I, I used to have them in my head. Now I have to have them in my hand. Yeah. You know, you always... I know this had nothing to do with radio, but you, I, I ran across another... Thing it dawned on me the other day, you know, about the driving in the on the parkway and parking in the driveway kind of deal. You hear all kind of things like that. Well, another one occurred to me the other day. We put fabric softener in our laundry to make it soft and starch on it to make it stiff. <laughs> Very good. Very good. And did you ever stop and wonder? On airplanes, the autopilot boxes, or the black boxes, not the autopilot, the black boxes are virtually indestructible. So it begs the question, why don't they make the plane out of the same stuff? Uh-huh. I agree. Problem is, that if we did, the people would still be falling down. Oh, well. it's, it's the sudden stop. Yeah, but it would, it would survive. Yeah, well, the would. Theoretically. Yeah, the plane would. It's the sudden stop for everything else that's a problem. But, you know, all my life, cars wrecked, planes crashed. Mm-hmm. Now, cars crash. And probably about six months ago, you would never believe on a national newscast they were saying a plane wrecked in the Everglades. You're kidding. No, I'm not. I think the whole thing is stupid. I still say cars wreck and planes crash. But that's not the way it is, or at least on anything I see on TV around here, cars crash. I think, I think everything crashes. Trains crash, planes crash, cars crash. You know, it just occurred to me, apparently I didn't know it, but we have flying cars and flying trains now, too. I didn't know about flying trains. I knew about flying cars. Well, they got to be if they crash. Uh, there really are flying cars. Oh, I know there are, and they have been for a lot of years. They're just not really practical, they're not at least great. not for everyday use. No. They're, they're really great to fly around up there, but when you have to come down, you've got to have something to come down on. You can't do it on a highway. No, but, but you know, the other thing is you can't, um, 
you, you can't sit waiting for a parking lot spot or something. Mm -mm. I know that's the name, but no, I understand. You can't. You can't. <clears throat> you can't even hover like um, like in a uh, with a helicopter. You know, you can kind of stay in one place with a helicopter, but um, flying cars don't do that. Nope, they do not, and they they are terribly impractical. I don't even know. Are they still manufacturing them? I think they're trying to make sure that they're inventing a new one here the last six months or so. Trying to make it somewhat practical, but it needs a runway to land. Right. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so that's the heck of it. And if that's the case, why don't they just go with a small plane? Mm-hmm. Or... Unless they've really gotten the cost down where it's a lot cheaper than a plane, but I can't believe that. Or I'll buy just a miniature helicopter. I mean, people who want a miniature helicopter. Oh, well, that, I had this thing about having beanies with propellers on, yeah. on the top. Yeah. And just kind of do a straight up and a straight down. I mean, that that would be for people. You can't do that for a car. But I think we ought to have real propellers on our beanies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that works, but you, you have to have a chin strap on it. That's right. <laughs> Oh, so you remember the 84 Olympics, the opening ceremony? He had that guy who flew around the L.A. Coliseum in that jet thing that they stepped to. Oh, the jet pack, yeah. yeah. Yeah, those have been around for a long time, too, but sure. I would have thought the military would have had a big use for those, but apparently that's not the case. What would they use them for? Um, getting across extremely rough areas like a ravine, a canyon, or something like that, they would be a long way around and almost impossible to go across. Uh, things of that nature. I'm sure there's a lot of other applications, but um, military is hard to sell on things sometimes, and that may have been part of the problem. I would say the cost, but I don't know. Cost doesn't seem to hold them up much when you want something. So I, I don't know if they... You know, a lot of the weapons they have, or in the past especially, were just absolutely a no-sale deal. I mean, when when the machine guns first came out, every other country in the world just about had them. We didn't. Uh, the theory of the military was that it was impractical to keep them supplied with ammunition because they would eat it up so fast. Mm -hmm. Now, this was back in the 1800s, or around 1900, and they just would not buy them because, you know, it didn't make any sense. And now, um, you know, it's a whole different story. There's some kind of a mechanism on a machine gun that, and, a, and an automatic firearm that shoots three bullets at a time short space and three more and okay. he shoots in bursts of three. Yeah, the, a lot of the newer, well, the M16s, and I'm sure some others have it too, but it's called a three-shot burst. Um, okay. Your fire selector is a four position instead of a three, huh? one being safety, and then you have single, uh, three-shot, and full automatic. Um, I don't have any that have those. Mine just have the three position on the ones I have. Mm -hmm. um, that was before they came out, though. 
but that it, it in a way it was to conserve ammunition, I guess. But um, I guess it helped save barrels too, because some nitwit that would just about empty a magazine on full automatic really takes a toll on a barrel because. I, I I grabbed a barrel on one of mine one time after about half a magazine. Youch. I'll never do that again. Youch. Let me let me assure you, you learn very quickly not to do that. Oh my gosh, you didn't need any and fingerprints. <laughs> it just. Oh I my. I imagine after a full magazine, or especially some of these extremely large ones, um, it could take the skin off of you. They're so hot and. That doesn't do a barrel any good, and that's why they always tell you never to, to fire a long burst like that. And I guess the three-shot burst was a enforcement of that statement. Um, as long as they got it switched on that, they're not as apt to, well, they can't do long, steady burst at one time. I don't think they have those on heavy machine guns. These are... SMGs, um, I don't think they would be on LMGs or HMGs, but they're a lot slower anyway. The LMGs and HMGs are a lot slower than the SMGs. Our wife, we lost Patricia. Harwood? Nope, there she is. Here I am. You are one of the smartest people we know. No, not either. Whatever possessed you to grab the barrel of a firearm that had just gone through a burst? Well, uh, I'm trying to think of a good answer, but if you want the real answer, it's like a sense. Mm. Um, I just, I, I wasn't thinking. You just don't think. You, you do, yeah, and... That's, that's, that's what happens to, to most accidents. The bad part is some are fatal. This one wasn't, thank goodness. Wow. And I mean, you know, I knew better. But, um, of course, most people have never even seen such a thing in, uh, you know, except on TV or in the movies, but they don't know. But um, I did and had my mind on something else, I guess, and I just grabbed it. How many bullets are in a magazine? That depends on what magazine. Oh, of course. If you specify a particular weapon, I might could tell you. <laughs> like, for example, the M16, the standard magazine was only 20 rounds. Oh. But they had aftermarket things, especially in the Vietnam era and all, of 40-round magazines. And what the guys, these were curved. They were called banana clips. And... They were called banana for a reason. The things are curved like a banana. Mm -hmm. And what they would do is to take two of these 40-round magazines and reverse them and tape them together with electrical tape. And they were offset lengthwise so that you had enough to lock into the, um, uh, into the receiver at the top end and at the bottom end. So when you emptied one, you popped it out and flipped it over. It was a lot quicker than than grabbing another one. Um, 
Now there, you could theoretically shortly you could actually have to barrel down. But um, that's what was done. But the stock magazine was twenty now. On the old Thompson, uh, nineteen twenty-one Thompsons. Yeah, the Alton which a lot of people are familiar with in gangster movies. Those, the stock magazine was 20 rounds. But in later years, they also made a 30-round magazine. But the originals also had drum magazines. And these were round, I'm sure you've seen them in the movies. Um, they made 50 and 100-round magazines. And I've only got a 50 for mine. It's it's about seven inches or so in diameter, mm-hmm. and about inch and three quarter, two inches, maybe two inches thick or long, if you're looking at it that way. And it has a clock spring mechanism in it. You have a big key on the back that once you filled it up, you wind this key up. And you have spiral channels inside of this drum or cylinder that the cartridges are going around those channels driven by a spring mechanism. So as one comes out of the top, it's feeding another one up under spring pressure from the the clock mechanism type thing. And as I said, they made a 50 and a 100. I don't know how big the 100s were because I've never seen one. But... They were ingenious, but they're extremely heavy. Of course, of course, the gun's heavy, but they have to be to stand the beating. But the um, drum magazines are awfully heavy. One interesting thing was when John Thompson was trying to sell these things to the military again, um, they weren't having any. And he set up an airplane to prove what the things would do that that they could be used for strafing and all. And he had 10 of these Thompson set up on a frame in the back part of the airplane. And of course they were all fed by drum magazines and they had electric triggers on them or electrically activated triggers that the pilot could, you know, fire from the cockpit. Well, what happened was they had overlooked the uh, ejection of the brass. So this was a small plane, and the back of the plane filled up with brass and stopped the whole show. So, you know, they could have had a port there that would, all the brass would have fallen out of the plane, and this would not have happened, and, and they learned that real quick, but they didn't see it to start with. That's a lot of firepower. Well, it is, but it is nothing to the Vulcan cannons they're using now that are 20 20 millimeters. And those things are so fast, they said if you could could even see it, the, the slugs coming out of those things are only about two inches apart. And they, I forgot how many barrels is on a Vulcan cannon, but like where they have them mounted in helicopters, for example, they have huge racks of belted ammunition. I mean, these things are taller than a person that are feeding these guns. And I mean, it is absolutely mind boggling what they would do. 
I mean, you can't, you cannot see it in a movie and understand what you're looking at yeah. without being there. It's it's just incredible. Oh. But, you know, well, as time goes on, it takes stuff like that to, to win. And, you know, people say, well, we shouldn't have war and all that, and I thoroughly agree with it. But, you know, it's just like whether it's your neighborhood or a country, you always have somebody that wants something they don't have. And sometimes it gets bad enough that they want everything they don't have. they want it or just want to sell it but when it comes to a worldwide or, or national scale it that's a horse of a different color but it's the same principle it's just somebody that thinks they're more important than they really are and they want another country or 10 countries or whatever and they go out and try to get them so I'm afraid it will probably always be that way. It'll always be that way. Been that way what? from BC to now. Yes, I'm afraid so. Uh huh. And it, it's bad uh, that things are like that, but that's just that's human nature, I guess. And then you, you've got to have the people that have the guts to stop it, because if they don't, the outcome can really be horrendous. Mm-hmm. We are Cain and Abel with bigger toys. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> oh, well. I didn't mean to get in on that. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're safe from the and We just had D-Day last week, and it just, you know, you, you get to thinking about things like that. Huh? But anyway. I'm glad you're safe from the lightning. Boy, that must have been... Well, me too. That's, oh. um, it could have really been... And serious, and yeah, you know, a lot of people do not know about lightning. If they have, or they uh, assume their power coming into their their building is grounded, so that's sufficient. But a lot of people don't realize. Let's say that you have ground rods driven where your power comes in at one end of the house, mm-hmm. and so your phone line comes in at the other end of the house, and you have a ground rod there, although a lot of times the phone company hooks to a water pipe, but you have a ground rod at the other end of the house. Um, that is really bad news. Oh. You don't have multiple ground rods at different locations unless you tie them all together because there's a different potential through the ground from mm-hmm. one to the other, and it can just be catastrophic in a ham radio magazine a nationally known magazine qst that came out i don't know why i always remember it but it's february of 73 but an at&t i know it's a bell lab employee his house got hit and he did an article on lightning and actually a tree in the house is what got hit but he had a long wire antenna hooked to the tree on one end and to the garage on the other end 
and then the garage was very close to the house. And what happened was the tree was hit. It split the tree, saw the wire, it blew a hole through the side of the garage um, several inches in diameter. It arced to the gutter on the house, and then it started arcing from nail to nail in the house. Whoa! It literally splintered the house. I mean, studs exploded, uh, everything. And he had pictures, and he, it's been too long, I can't remember the estimated current that was in this thing, but um, it was, oh, it was awful. Um, but, you know, he did a Bell Lab study on this with some pretty high-tech information, and I mean, you just can't imagine what a direct hit of lightning can do to a building or whatever. Yeah. Did he, did he have a fire? No. It did not it ignite anything. It did not catch fire, which was amazing in itself. But I guess it just happened so fast it didn't start. But, um, you know, apparently the nails just vaporized, and that's why the wood exploded. Wow. Can you imagine that kind of current? But it does such crazy things. I know a site that we had for, it was a, a you know, a remote transmitter for a radio station. And they had a phone line coming in there, and um, my guy was there, and the station engineer was there, and well, he didn't have a, a phone line protector of any kind. Uh -huh. So there was a nail driven in the wall. This was a, a wooden frame building with with no um, sheetrock or anything on the inside. There were just the studs and the outer sheeting. And I mean, nobody lived there or worked in there or anything. It was just a uh, transmitter building and other equipment at the tower site. So <clears throat> what they did was took one of the wires from the phone line you know, they're very small. Actually, they're, you know, nowadays they're 24 and 26 gauge, which is extremely small. But there was a nail in the wall. So he wrapped the wire around the nail, made a coil, and then ran it to the equipment. Well, they got hit eventually. And you know it did not get past that nail. It arced off of it, but it did not get to the equipment. It burned up the coil. But what happened is... Lightning doesn't like corners. It won't go around the corner. Mm -hmm. And just the fact that he had coiled that wire, instead of following the coil in the, early in the turns, it arced off of it and stopped it. That's why when you put in a, uh, a ground system and ground wire, you don't ever make a sharp bend in a, in a ground wire. If you've got to make a turn, you do a slow arc or curve so you don't have a sharp turn. And you want, in the case of a ground wire, you want lightning to follow it. You don't want it to get off of it. Whereas in the case of your equipment, you don't want it to follow it. Now I'm sure you really want to know all that stuff, but it's it, the whole point is that, that lightning can do some weird things. Very. And you're you're in, in, in Lightning Alley down there in Florida. That's right. one of the worst places lightning in the country. Lightning of the world. Lightning. Officially, this is the lightning capital of the world. It is. Uh-huh. 
which kind of puts a very special spin on us, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I guess you could say y'all sure got some hot stuff down there. Oh, we've got some hot stuff here. Yep, it's a shocking display. Well, I'm sure you've had all your lessons you need today. And um, you made a comment. I will go now. But you made a comment earlier. I can't think what it was. Oh, it's when uh, you were asked if, if you were Irish or whatever, and you said you were American. Uh, in my collection of belt buckles, I have one that I like quite well. It, I don't remember. It's got two flags on it, a Confederate flag. And, uh, Confederate battle flag, that is, and an American flag, and I can't remember what else, but the legend across it is, uh, let's see, American by birth, Southern by the grace of God. I've read that before. Yes. Do you wear that buckle, or is it strictly for your collection? No, I wear mine. <laughs> Well, I'm not a Southerner yet. My education is not complete. You're going to have to work. No, you're, you're, you're definitely right. Yeah, but I'm doing very well. Oh, yes. Yeah, you're working on it, and uh, that's that's good. Thank you. And I even came prepared with some things. I, you were surprised that I knew some things, so I'm really proud of myself. Absolutely. Well, you'll get there eventually. <laughs> I don't think so. It's going to be a long trek, Harwood. Long trek. Yeah, during the war, deserters that went north were called galvanized Yankees. Maybe you'll be a, a galvanized southerner. Mm. Does it hurt? No. Okay. It was, it was just a statement. Okay. But that's what they were called. All right. Okay, I'll consider it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, galvanized Yankees were not a good well, thing. Can I have dual citizenship? Galvanized Southerners might get a little better. What? Ari, can I have dual citizenship? I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> you may have you may have to renounce one. Oh, oh boy, oh boy. But then, but then the question is, why would you not want to renounce it? Oh dear. I'll have to ponder that. Okay. All right. Well, I'll try to make a note of some of the things I forgot that I was really going to bring up tonight. But um, like I said, two weeks ago is a long time. All right. Well, you... We'll try again another time. You make your notes. I will try. Okay. You have a better week. week. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, up and about, home of 5.30 in the morning. Can you believe it, Patricia? No, I can't. I know. You're remarkable. It was a short show tonight. Mm -hmm. Say that three times fast. Short show. Short show. Short show. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of cruise into dangerous territory. Yeah, true. Save our shows for next week? Let's do that. Let's do that. And um, you can pack it in because you've got an enormous week coming up. And uh, I can get some more stuff done on Shirley's goodies. Alrighty. Transcriptions and get them out to you. Sounds good. Yeah. So I guess we can fire up our music. We can fire up our music. Remind 
Everybody, we will not be here next week. Yeah, Patricia is going to play hooky. I'm going to play hooky, and Walden is... Well, you're not really... Well, I guess you... I... I'm not taking you with me. No, you're not. But you're not You're not playing traditional hooky. No. That's true. That's true. Well, good night, everybody. You have a wonderful week and a safe two weeks. And when we come back on July 2nd, it's Christmas in July. Hooray! Good old Walden. He's hanging right in there Hooray! waiting. Hooray! <laughs> good night, Walden. Good night, Patricia. We all love you very, very much out there. Talk to you soon. Here we go. The masquerade Just make your mind up The piper must be paid The party's over The candles flicker and dim You danced and dreamed through the night It seemed to be right Just being with him Now you must wake up All dreams must end The party's over It's all over My friend Now you must wake up All dreams must end Take off your makeup The party's over It's all
friendship fight Not as exciting as holding you tight Nothing that I do ignites me And starry skies, fourth of eyes Don't have the sparkle I see in your eyes Don't know what to say Don't mean to be blasé But darling, it's true Everybody, it is Sunday night. Wait, June the twentieth, year two thousand.